said you're ready to podcast let's do it listeners (laughs) yeah listeners you're listening to another exciting episode i'm ready let's start all right of (laughs) chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we're a podcast where you're ready i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in any any second now we're a podcast where three friends get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil and recently watch not me not this time no you're not gonna spoil it (laughs) No, no. Okay. All right. Seriously, though, let's do this. All right. I don't know. I think we're going to keep all this. And we're going to talk about Recently Watched, which we'll try not to spoil, or maybe mild spoilers. And we are not professional critics. We're just artists and illustrators and guys who like horror movies who are going to talk about them. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, The Moon Dash Rays. And that's housekeeping. Guys, let's talk about some stuff. Who wants to do Recently Watched first? I, I like to think we fill that hole in, uh, in the internet of uh, having having a bunch of guys talk about movies, especially horror movies. You know, it's hard to find, and here we are. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, uh, we saw an already oversaturated market and said us too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been on it for over five years. Right. So, so and, you know, yeah. 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 We didn't just fall off the white guy turnip truck. Did we? Sure. <laughs> um, I'll go. It's relatively short. Do it. Uh, we're still trekking through DS9, um, although this last episode was such a letdown after so much build-up. <laughs> um, they've been building and building to this war with the Dominion, which is a separate faction, as you could guess. Uh, they live in another galaxy but can come through this they, one they make uh, vote, voting machines don't they yes they do now <laughs> but before they had their eye on conquering the alpha quadrant mm, um, right. they decided to, to scale back with the voting machine you know start small and maybe build up but uh, basically they, they built up for this war over a number of seasons uh, the war finally happens, <clears throat> and well, I'm not going to spoil it for people who may be watching these, but uh, a real deus ex machina happens, mm. more than Star Trek is known for. I mean, Star Trek 
often have some scientific, scientific, I'm putting quotes up there, uh, solution at the end of the episode. You know, we use tachyon particles to face something or other and save the day. But this involves space gods wiping out the, uh, okay, I spoiled it, wiping out the enemy fleet. <laughs> <laughs> at the 11th hour and it just it really let the air out of my sails yeah uh, it just it was so clunky and yeah just I don't want to go on with the series almost <laughs> so so they really didn't want to write any actual work for the protagonist to do. They just brought in the hand of God, so to speak. Exactly. They, they wanted to push everybody right to the edge and they were teetering and nothing was going right for them. And then, Oh, the God machine came down from the ceiling and ended the play. So we could all go home. Yeah. Well, someone looked at their watch and said, we got to wrap this up in three minutes. Yeah, that's, I wondered that, though, if uh, they had been building. Now, this show was, this was probably airing 1996, 1997, I'm guessing. I'm not really sure what season we're on. Uh, maybe a little later, 97, 98. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, I'm wondering, they were adding more and more kind of episodes that were, if not to be continued, very continuity heavy. And I wonder if they weren't getting flack from syndication of not having more episodes that were a little more, uh, standalone single episode done in one. Yeah. Uh, I have no evidence either way of that, or if that would even be uh, a thing, a concern syndication but i would think it would be because you have people coming home for lunch they don't get home every day but you know oh they miss tuesdays they don't really you don't want them being caught up in a big storyline yeah if you're airing it in syndication soap opera is different but sure yeah you want you want more bottle episodes like that yeah people don't catch it weekly i guess is what i'm saying yeah every week um and then we watched uh so moving on uh we watched our other space show the expanse on amazon prime um this is a more realistic space show and air quotes there um i don't know if realistic so much as dark and gritty uh dour um, it's a fairly action-packed show, so you don't have a whole lot of time to think about how extremely bleak the future seems. But uh, it's it's a great show. I highly recommend it if you're into sci-fi and you want a sort of, we'll say a heavy sci-fi, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how much that is you know they don't rely a whole lot on you know say space physics or 
zero G, but they do work that in. They work in that environment. They try to do uh, whatever would be possible in space uh, and also convey how horribly, horribly dangerous and deadly space is because it's just a big cold nothing. And mm-hmm. if you get pushed out into it, you're dead. Or if you, it's huge as well. So if you run out of fuel or water or something, you're dead. Pretty much anything goes wrong, you're dead. Um, it yeah. It seem like a very forgiving job. And then on top of it, you throw in um, the basic premise is uh, humans have expanded off of Earth into the uh, solar system. So <clears throat> they have colonies on Mars, uh, and they have people out in the, in the uh, asteroid belt. Uh, Mars is its own faction. Uh, they're sort of they're very militant and uh, very anti-Earth. Uh, and then the people in the asteroid belt are like the dirt poor miners, and they live in these asteroids. Obviously, it's got a big dome on it. They have to worry about air and water um they're not as strong as uh earthlings or martians even earthlings are stronger than martians and because they've they've worked in zero or in one g and everybody (laughs) else has less than a g although martian soldiers train in a g um but it's just little details like that i mean and it's a huge ensemble cast of, uh, you know, you start out with maybe four or five people, and then we're up to, I don't know, maybe a dozen people that you're trying to keep track of. Lots of intrigue, lots of politics, uh, uh, pretty decent mystery. And, uh, yeah, now we're just waiting for it to go off the rails. They, they got to ruin it with lack of good writing, right? Yeah, I'm betting on ghosts. Oh, ghosts would be great. Or did you say... At some point, they will encounter the ghost of miners on an asteroid or something, or maybe a 17th century ghost, Scottish ghost, would be in a candle. (laughs) This is a TNG reference, if there's any super nerds out there. Uh, you know, if they even know what the abbreviation TNG is, then they're a nerd already. So yeah, it goes with the territory. Oh, good times. Is that about it for the recently watched? That wraps it up. Other than, um, I've been spending my days on YouTube watching a YouTube channel called cartoonist K fame. Um, they go through, well, they started with, uh, going through Wizard Magazine from the early 90s. Nice. And was talking about the speculator market and how just out of control comics were. Because <sighs> um, they were both... One guy's got to be exactly my age. Because he was 15 when all this was happening. So it's a lot of nostalgia. 
Um, it is probably the nerdiest thing I've done in a long time, and this is from a regular Star Trek viewer. Um, <laughs> this is a super... It's just two, two guys who are cartoonists, professional cartoonists, sit around and talk about how, like, Rob Liefeld's Blood Wolf was sort of an unbelievable character. How could he get away with it? What was Rob Liefeld thinking? What did Rob Liefeld do? Then they'll bring out some books and they'll flip through the art. And they don't necessarily make fun of the stuff. They're not necessarily super snarky, just like bag on Wizard Magazine. It's more of just a retrospective um, of, uh, of growing up with that in that time period and, and being into comics and still being into comics. And they look at the artists that are like the, uh, the amateur artists that are always in the issues that would uh, do covers, fake covers, uh, and the magazine would run them. They look up those people on, on Google and see if they're still doing art and then say whether or not, and they bring out books and they highlight artists that might be, you know, get a brief mention or, or, tangentially involved with something that they're looking at. Um, they also have a lot of videos where they go through uh, various uh, comic book back issues or the ones I really like are when they go through artist editions, which are uh, giant books, art books printed at size with the original art. Yeah. Um, and those are fun. So, uh, yeah. Uh, if you're into comic books and if you were specifically collecting comic books or at least reading them in the early nineties when all that happened and destroyed comic books for a good long, long while, mm -hmm. um, you might check it out. Uh, if you're into comic book stories from the last say 20 years, uh, 40 years, um, you might, you might check them out too. It's cartoonist kayfabe. Cool. That, that's definitely worth considering because as you're saying all of this, I realized that I was watching MTV back when it showed music videos, back when it was still a thing. And they did like the MTV news with Kurt Loder or whatever. And they said that the Batman comics had killed off Robin and that collectors were already going nuts, paying way too much money for that issue of the comic book. So yeah. I, I hoofed it down to the Circle K and the Safeway and whoever else had a rack of magazines and comic books. I ended up with five near mint condition copies of the Death in the Family uh, five part, you know, yeah. that, that whole thing where they kill Robin. And uh, it was supposedly worth 50 bucks at the time, like collectors were going bananas and paying 50 bucks. And I thought, Oh man, it was crazy. I should have sold them. I don't think you can get 15 now. Oh man. No, you're get two fifty a piece. Right. Should have sold um, them when they were 50 bucks. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, when I bought the death of Superman, I was at a convention and it had just come out and everybody, I mean, just come out like, that week maybe not the week before uh and it was going for like 
35 to 50 bucks at this convention. Oh, man. Uh, which this is 1992. Yeah. Uh, 93. About right. um, I guess 93. Uh, that's an insane amount of money for a comic. You could probably get good issues of early Fantastic Four for 50 bucks at that time. Um, you know, uh, and then I found a table, so I couldn't, I couldn't afford that, but I found a table and this guy was like, Oh, I, I just asked him, like, do you have deals with Superman? And I got tired, you know, getting tired of hearing no, or, you know, $35. Uh, and this, this guy's like, yeah, I got one. And he, he's like five bucks, oh, God. Uh, which was, I think like probably cover price. Um, I don't remember what that issue, special issue went for. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's never going to be worth anything. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, God. Well, I see some jerk selling one for $42. Go ahead. 40 42 How much? 40. Um, I'm sorry. This is the Death in the Family Part 3, the Death of Robin. Uh, okay. Somebody is selling one for $42. Someone else is selling one for 60 Ooh. I don't know. Well, Maybe time to find that box. Yeah. Make a few bucks. <laughs> what were you going to say, Julian? Well, ones I notice uh, going uh, up in price fast, you know, they get bought up fast uh, now. It tends to be dictated by the movies. So if a movie introduces a, a character, uh, then the the first appearance of that character is yeah, you know, starts going up in price really fast. Yeah, the uh, I think that the market for uh, we're going to kill such and such is you know there hasn't been uh, uh, a market for quite some time now. Oh, they tried everything to sell comics then they. Gimmicks, uh, holographic covers, foil covers, die cut covers, a lot of stuff with the covers. Uh, not a whole lot going on with the insides. Um, <laughs> the actual guts the of the got, comic. <laughs> got rushed and, and a copy of a copy. Like I was willing to tolerate Rob Liefeld. At times I, I quite enjoyed his stuff. Um I remember I was I was pretty into him uh, as a kid, but even then we were kind of like he's got some fundamental problems with his anatomy and and just art in general. But he brought a liveliness. I will admit, um, I'm not going to say he was a new Jack Kirby, but he kind of breathed fresh a little bit of fresh air into comics that were a little stale as far as Marvel comics kind of went. But then they quickly just churned out copies of Rob Liefeld and it just, uh, the art just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I saw one today that looks like your cousin drew it. I mean, unless your cousin's a professional comic book artist. But, uh... <laughs> Fundamental problems of anatomy kind of makes me think of like when some seventh grader draws a superhero and there's like extra biceps. Ooh, like, yeah, there's some real problems. I mean, you can get away with a lot of exaggeration, a lot of 
cartooning successful cartooning is is just exaggeration sure um you know uh and and a lot of artists i really really like are not what i would call realistic artists i tend to like people who are more experimental but you can tell these people have at least mastered the basics yeah house without a foundation won't stand sort of thing yeah um you encounter them in art. You would encounter these people in art school who would be like, "No, I don't want to learn how to draw in perspective. That's going to ruin my vision." Yeah. You know, I don't want to learn how to paint or <laughs> use a pencil or whatever. Yeah, there there were two things I remember from art school that were important. One was learn the rules well before you break them. And then the other one was, um, watch out for tangents. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the two rules of art school. Uh, I think you can handle those. The rest is, I'm not going to say easy, but those are the two rules. Yeah. (laughs) We could leave it at that. Uh, Jolien, do you want to go next? Okay, uh, so TCM has been showing uh, Who Done It mysteries on uh, one, I think Tuesday nights. Um, I've been watching some of them, uh, but uh, tying into horror. Um, so before you had uh, Giallo and creamy movies, you had the Psycho movies, and before that uh, you had the uh, Old Dark House movies, where you'd have people gathered in an isolated location. And one by one, they get knocked off, usually by some uh, someone in a mask. Uh, and the killer's either a maniac or pretending to be an escape maniac. Um, so, uh, yeah, this all feeds into the, like, the history of uh, horror. Um, so, for example, I watched one called The Mystery of the 13th Guest, uh, which is a 1943 remake of the... Uh, uh, there was a Ginger Rogers film came out in 1932 called The 13th Um, um, makes very little sense. Uh, you can just guess who the killer is pretty early on. Um, but uh, the more you think about this movie, the less sense it makes. <laughs> it's really <laughs> ridiculous. Um, like, for example, who is the 13th guest? They never say. The mm-hmm. devil! Uh, the, the killer wears this... Uh, it's not an animal, animal mask this time. Or, you know, films like the cat and the canary is uh, an animal or the, or the bat. Um, but in this one, he, he's wearing this uh, rubber human mask and it's kind of pale and it's got the eyes cut out. It looks very Michael Myers-ish. Um, and it's also got uh, the makings of a corpse party. Uh, this is one of the, uh, um, like uh, in, in the 30s, they had movies like uh, 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 the 13th victim and things like that, where we knew it was like a, there's a set number of people who are going to get knocked off one by one, and it's like the original body count movies. Um, so in this one, you've got th- uh, there's a table and it's set for 13, and each person who gets killed off is in order of the seating around the table, and then the corpse turns up in that seat. So it's got like the makings of an early corpse party, like you get oh. like you get in some of the slashes. Nice. 
Um, anyway, uh, what's that? Uh, I bought um, a set of uh, uh, the John Pertwee Doctor Who's for Emily for Christmas, so we've been watching those. Uh, there's this classic story in it called The Green Death. If you're a kid and you watch this, you'll remember it because it's traumatizing. It's, it's, um, <laughs> uh, there's, these Welsh, uh, there's these Welsh mines and uh, there's, uh, there's uh, a chemi- chemical corporation has moved in next to the mine and they've been dumping their toxic waste down the mine. And uh, this res- results in these... Um, giant maggots um and uh they start popping up on the surface but um so you've got you've got like uh uh authority figures who are doing evil things and covering it off and you've got these maggots and uh there's, there's so much stuff going on in this it's, it's great childhood trauma stuff um oh, it's pretty much um pretty much the plot of quaymas 2 but it's very well done um and uh, today, uh, the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong came out. Oh, excited. yeah. Uh, yeah, watched that a couple of times. And also watched um, Peninsula, which is the follow-up to Train to Busan. Oh. oh is that- uh, have you heard of this one? No, yeah. I haven't. Uh, so, yeah, I got, I got this from uh, on DVD from the library. Uh, but, yeah, really good. Really I believe good. it's on it's, Prime. Um, is it? Oh, great! I believe it. it out. Yeah, I won't say much about it. It's like the first half is it's um, feels more John Carpenter. You've got these like working stiffs who are sent into uh, the Korean Peninsula, which is like infested with zombies. And uh, because these this gang has heard that there's trucks full of money that have just been abandoned, um, so these these people are sent in. Uh, so it's a little bit escape New York, uh, but with zombies. Uh, and then this, the second half, it gets, it kind of throws bits from the entirety of the Romero zombie saga into it, and then uh, and then for the climax, it also goes really Mad Max, full on Mad Max. <laughs> it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, All right. Yeah, really good action movie. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot. So that was it. Anime, right? Uh, there's an anime prequel. Oh, okay. That's uh, which the one is, that's uh, uh, Yeah, that's Soul Station. Okay, that's the one that's on uh, Prime. So this one, this one's new and I it's live. I think Peninsula live- is... Uh, is- it might be on Shudder because uh, I think they co-produced it. Oh, okay. cool. Uh, I'm going to check that real quick and see if that is the case. So, okay. Is that a 2020 movie technically? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, where can we watch this thing? Uh, okay. Let's see if IMDB says where you can watch it. So meanwhile, um, it doesn't seem to say on the front page anyway, but it's worth investigating. So I will be investigating it when we get out of here. Uh, and also, of course, the um, 
Godzilla versus Kong trailer. I, I was waiting for that, but then I've been too busy this afternoon to go sit down and watch it. So that's something that's like right when we're done. Uh, but my recently watched is uh, a relatively short list. I watched uh, episode two of Lovecraft Country. Uh, this I thought you were going to say episode two of Star Wars. Of Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know. I mean, I think of the, I think of star Wars as star Wars. I never call it a new hope. And then there's, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, empire strikes back and, uh, return of the Jedi or whatever, whatever the yeah. trilogy is. Okay. And beyond that, I don't, I don't know much. I don't remember much. I either haven't seen it or don't really remember it. Uh, the trauma of Jar Jar Binks has me just not remembering those movies very well. <laughs> And the wooden acting of that little kid. Ugh, it's terrible. Anyway, uh, Lovecraft Country episode two was good. Oh, God. And it's just weird. It's, it's, they're. I really liked episode two. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a, that was a ghost story, right? We Not did. Not giving too much away. The haunted house. Yes, yes. They're in a haunted mansion. And then uh, we, we learn more about the creatures that were. Hey, could they be all bad? They're eating the terrible racist cops. I mean, uh, you know, sure, they're vicious yeah. and horrible, but, you know, they could be called off with a whistle. And I did want, I did wonder if there was going to be a play on words with dog whistle somewhere in there. And there kind of was. Oh, that would have been good. Well, they did. They kind of did. That's no dog whistle or something like that. Anyway, okay. uh, I can't say much about it without spoiling it, but. It's totally worth watching. We did get some reality, uh, some blurring of lines in reality and, and possibly time and some revelation of some of the stuff that's going on. And of course, I'm sure they'll unfold that episode by episode. Also, uh, because I was wanting something that was short enough to watch, but, but uh, also interesting, I watched Scotch, A Golden Dream. It's a documentary about Scotch whiskey. It is. Right. Will you're going to be happy? It's about. It's a little under ninety minutes, I believe, eighty nine minutes. And it focuses really on this one small island. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but uh, Islay, I S L A Y. It's a small island, part of Scotland, and the real gut punch at the end of this is that. They pay so much in uh, taxes that you would pay more at the distillery gift shop than you would pay overseas in America to buy a bottle of the scotch that they make in that distillery. But outside of that, it's really beautiful and it's, it's really cool. And they talk to a bunch of different master distillers and whatnot. And they get some stories from individuals who you know, conduct tastings or work at bars or whatever, but it's mostly focused on the master distillers and it's super interesting. It tells you a lot about how it's made and uh, what goes into identifying its properties and knowing when, uh, when it's actually done and ready to be put in the cask, why they use casks from America uh, is, is kind of interesting. They use bourbon casks a lot of times to age scotch they go into a lot of details about that stuff. Uh, short answer is bourbon. A lot of times they're only allowed to use the barrel once. 
So Jack Daniels aged in barrel once, not allowed to reuse the barrels. And the Scots are like, over here, we'll take those. So it's interesting. Yeah. And uh, the one guy who is clearly the master of the masters uh, is has finally made his masterpiece, his brilliant, perfect scotch. And I thought, okay, what's this go for a bottle? I know it's way out of reach. How bad could it be? And, and uh, the next day, which was this morning, I Google it and it's like, I'm thinking it's going to be hundreds of dollars a bottle. Yeah, it was 550 something dollars for a bottle of this oh. black art scotch. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, worth looking at if you enjoy a dram once in a while. I watched another movie called... I, I, reckon, uh, I reckon a lot of... Uh, oh, I reckon a lot of companies like that are going to try and set up over here uh, in the near future as yeah. soon as the uh, pandemic dies down. <laughs> because uh, after Brexit, they, they're finding like uh, exporting things is just ridiculous. Um, there's so much bureaucracy and, and payment for uh, just sending things into mainland Europe. That uh, a lot of lot of British companies are trying to set up in other countries now. Yeah, and then there's all these people who voted for it, screaming, "Oh, this is unfair! This is unfair! <laughs> you want to charge me to go to Spain for vacation? Yeah, that's unfair. Mm. It's like, you, didn't you think of that? No, did no one explain this? <laughs> well, now you know. Apparently, uh, one of them is. Uh, one of them is Roger Daltrey, who's complaining about uh, how uh, how the the touring has changed and uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's so expensive. You know, it's not worth doing. And uh, he's one of the people who voted for Brexit. So, hmm, idiot. Yeah, what what we what we learned, and you know what? There are people who vote for things who still never learn, and you know. Is this is this not the age of that? <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> uh, so uh, I watched a movie called Elena, which is a Swedish film from 2015. This is about a young woman who arrives at her new boarding school, which is kind of a little up, upscale, snooty boarding school. And there's a couple of mean girls but there's like a real pack leader of the mean girls named uh, uh philippa and they have the lacrosse team and they're just awful and the movie kind of digs into a little bit of the past of this young woman elena who shows up at the school and there is a friend who kind of tags along or pops up once in a while and and you kind of wonder is there something is there something that uh, more than meets the eye? And yeah, without spoiling it, you you'll you'll guess it early in the movie, but it's still interesting enough to keep you going. And it feels like a lighter version of Let the Right One In, as far as like the revenge sequences that happen, and some of the awfulness from the mean kids. It's not as heavy <laughs> as. I'm just going to go out and say this. There aren't any decapitations where the head lands in the swimming pool or the arm gets ripped out of the socket and thrown in the pool. That doesn't, oh. that kind of thing. And doesn't. yet you'll still recommend this? I, you know, 
I would say watch watch <laughs> this if you're if you really enjoyed Let the Right One In and don't feel like rewatching it. This is the lighter version of that. That's it. From now on, there's I'm so only... many movies. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm only recommending movies with decapitation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's. Uh, I'll give you a real positive review. I'll read this. Uh, Dennis Harvey of Variety wrote about this, and he said that it's that the film is polished and reasonably entertaining. Hunk of teen angst but his familiar suspense elements rely heavily on a twist that most viewers will see coming a mile off. But another critic said, everything about this film is exquisite from its gorgeously textured cinematography to the delicate performances of its stars. Nothing has been left a chance and the result is compelling viewing. Halfway between those two reviews is the truth. It's, it's a pretty cool movie. <laughs> That uh, that was it. Other than uh, Gretel and Hansel, which um, what'd you guys think? Wow, was it pretty? I about this last night while I was uh, uh, feeling not, not feeling so well about two thirty in the morning. Uh, how how could I talk about this movie? And I thought. When I was a kid, my mom only went to the grocery store maybe once a month. Uh, not that we lived far from the store or anything. It was just she did like a big shop uh, for the whole month or three weeks or whatever it was. Uh, and and uh, you could ride along to the grocery store. And if the big shop fell at the right time, you could get a mad magazine. But if the big shop didn't fall at the right time, you'd end up with Cracked Magazine. Sure. I think <laughs> Gretel and Hansel is the Cracked Magazine to the Witch's Mad. Okay. But Cracked Magazine had John Severin doing the cover yeah. and, the, and the feature story. Uh-huh, and occasionally uh, a young Dan Klaus. Sure. Uh, but still, Cracked was never, never going to be better than Mad Magazine. No matter how corny and awful Mad Magazine is, uh, it it was at least funny to, to a kid. Sure. Um, whereas Cracked Magazine always came across as, like, kind of weird fanfic of things they, they were even more or they were even more removed than the uh, than the typical mad like mad often they're they only use the movie or whatever as like a, a setup for real sales jokes they yeah. could go into anything they didn't really matter that it was making fun of uh, say Robocop um uh Cracked Magazine was, like, even even worse with that. Like, not... that. I mean, Mad Magazine might try to tie something in with, you know, uh, making fun of RoboCop. It, it would be lame, but Cracked would just be kind of like... Who, some guy said, hey, I saw that movie, uh, RoboCop, would kind of draw... A, Simulation of it, and then uh, simulation of it, and then uh, 
we'll just throw in some jokes that may or may not land. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, um, although John Severin was drawing and, and, uh, although Gretel and Hansel had beautiful cinematography, you guys were not wrong. This movie looks fantastic. Um, I like the sound design. That would be the Dan Klaus. But overall, it was just, it was a lesser witch. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. The witch is... It was a bad thing. <laughs> okay. It, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, but this was just... Ugh. It was almost... And I'm going to... This doesn't quite work, but I'm going to say it was the Roger Corman, the witch. <laughs> Roger Corman's the witch. Okay. Okay. Which oh, I would rather yeah. see than Gretel and Hansel again, but. So starring you... Barbara Steele. <laughs> right. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So cracked magazine, go back to your analogy. So Mad Magazine is the sophisticated lowbrow and Cracked Magazine is a less sophisticated lowbrow or unsophisticated lowbrow that even a kid could see the problems with. Even a kid yes. could see the thinness of it. Okay. Yes. No matter how well illustrated it is, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny even by a kid who's like eight or 10 or, or 12. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And I was I was a fan of Mad Magazine, so that tells you something. I mean, Mad Magazine is not champagne. Let's don't kid ourselves. It really is no brow. It is, and this was in the late '80s, so they had given up a long time ago. Yeah, I imagine it was it was not very good. Um, I pitched them when I moved at some point. I had umpteen. I had like five years worth of mad magazine because my parents, when I was in seventh grade, I begged them to buy me a five year subscription to mad magazine. And they said, you won't like that magazine in five years. And I was like, the hell I won't. So I kept buying mad magazine. So I'd have five years worth of them just to show my parents. I don't think they even remembered saying that by the time I got those magazines. (laughs) I looked through them, and there are very few that, other than the drawing, is really nice. And I think, artistically, they held up much better than craft, which is part of the thing I think I was seeing as a child. But uh, Mad Magazine is not good, is what I'm saying. So, well, to let's... say cracked was bad, yeah. So let me ask both of you, since you are, you're, you're more about sequential art than I am. What is the golden age from what year to what year? Let, let's say five or 10 years span of time is the golden age of mad. And then we'll get back to We'll get back to Gretel and Hansel, but I want to ask you guys both. What's the golden age of mad magazine? Uh, probably the Harvey Kurtzman first, you know, 24 issues when they were a comic book. Okay. You know, and, and that's, they had, they certainly had good uh, bits later and very talented people uh i love mark drucker i could look at his caricatures all day he's sure. uh, you know he's great um jack davis did a lot of work for them 
Jack Davis was probably the first artist I knew a name of, and that was because of the Mad Magazine. Sure. Uh, yeah, you you consider Dave Berg, Al Jaffe, uh, Sergio Aragones, all these guys who worked for Mad. I think sixty six through seventy six, personally, uh, maybe maybe sixty eight through seventy eight. I don't know, but uh, Jolien, what do you think? Not uh, yeah, I've got all those the uh, archives of uh, the original Harvey Kurtzman years. Sure. Um, all the uh, the comic book ones. And then I've got the um, uh, the collection of all their horror uh, parodies. Oh, nice! Because uh, yeah, it's got you know it's got a lot of Jack Davis and Wally Wood, and uh, Mort Drucker and Angela Torres, and you know a yeah. lot of later uh, cartoonists. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I never found them very funny, but um, the the art is great. Yeah. Listeners who are tuning in for the first time, <laughs> we, we usually don't talk about... I'm very sorry. I will go back to Gretel and Ham. <laughs> we really don't talk well, about comics uh, this often. Uh, I, I talked about it quite a few episodes ago, and that's yeah. why Richard got onto it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, we watched it in like a row. Like, you watched it, and then Richard watched it, and now I've watched it, and I took it that both of you uh, quite liked it. I... I was just, it did not come together for me. Um, I found some very questionable choices. Um, like what? Can you think of one? Yeah, I did not care for the, although I thought she acted fine, I did not care for the girl, this is so fucking nitpicky. Uh, I did not care for the girl's short hair. Okay. It felt so out of place for what they were trying to do. Now, I don't expect a level of realism, say, that the witch had, or a level of accuracy that the witch had. That's nuts. Only one person can do that. Um, and I, I kind of like the uh, sort of suggestion of the late, I'm going to say 17th century, early 18th. I'm not really sure when this was supposed to take place. Right. Uh, and that was the point I took it, is it was in the past. It's ambiguous enough, yeah. You know, but her hairstyle and her accent, they just stood out so much. I, I, I hate to say it, but I had a hard time getting over it. And then we have the little boy, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jake Lloyd earlier in, in the Phantom Menace. Uh, <laughs> Because I thought this kid was almost as bad as Jake Lloyd. I was waiting for a yippee wizard or now this is pod racing to burst forth from him at any moment. Now, he wasn't bad. He's a kid. He was an okay actor, but he was he did not fit the tone of the movie. He seemed a little too chipper and golly gee, uh... A little kid that, that when he had to read lines that were supposed to be sort of serious and somber and fit the mood, they came across like a little kid reading lines and it was terrible. Yeah, I can't disagree with, uh, you know, they had to throw a young kid in it. I, I always remember the fairy tale as feeling like they were close, closer in age 
Yeah, they're closer in age in the fairy tale. Yeah, and uh, it's weird to have a teen who's taking care of her bratty little brother who doesn't understand the gravity of anything. And uh, on top of that, yeah, he's not the best actor you've ever seen for his age group. But uh, for me, not enough to really drag the movie down because he's sort of he's sort of just cannon fodder for the, you know, for the story uh, to, to, to sort of advance what's really happening. And it's and that's I think the reason that it's called. Uh, Gretel and Hansel is because it's about her. It's her story. And he's this sort of necessary uh, annoyance. <laughs> the uh, the truly annoying tag-along little brother who you have to put up with to get to the story of the young woman. That's... Yeah, we're definitely in the woman's world here. Yes, for sure. Uh, so, Jolien, do you want to say more about... Uh, since, again, not all listeners heard the previous episodes where we where you talked about it, uh, what worked and what didn't for you? I, I thought this was, uh, this was really taking a, uh, uh, an approach that, that, you know, we're going to do the fairy story. Um, this wasn't trying to be the very realistic, uh, Eggers approach to it. Right. Um, it was, it was very much the, uh, the fairy story and we're going to, uh, explain how dangerous and uh, how dangerous this world is um the conditions these these women are living in um and uh how powerful a, a woman like the witch would be in this in this environment um you have like a the mother you know as people were they were facing hunger it was a uh, um you know the, the original witch trials uh, one of the things that kicked off uh, the, the hysteria was um, people were starving. It was a bad time for crops. Uh, the, you know, the weather was very bad for it. Um, livestock was dying. Um, so, uh, you know, people were helpless. And if you could blame it on one of the local cunning folk, then, uh, you know, sometimes that worked for people. They were scared enough to do anything. Um so I think you did a good job of that. And, uh, uh yeah, I, I like how, um, uh, the witch takes them in and she's, she's talking to, uh, Gretel as her, as a fellow woman, knowing all the problems she's going to face. And, uh, and you have this like idiot tagging along with her. Who's keeps saying he's going to be a woodcutter for a living and he can't, can't chop anything. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I. But he was a child. In the, uh, yeah, but but she was she was a teenager. But she was you know as they alluded to, she was like a pretty much breeding stock age at this point. You know, given that time. No, no. But I'm saying you're 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 disparaging him, and so did the movie uh, for being a lousy woodcutter. But he was a child. They wanted it like right. both ways. I didn't like how they portrayed Hansel. He didn't have to be <clears throat> smart, uh, but he was such sort of a, a little nuisance, a little yes, uh, yeah, just a nuisance to be tossed away. That it didn't feel fair to him. 
He was disposable. He was, he was as much a victim of it as all as as she was. Sure. Uh, he had no, you know, no say in it. He didn't make them go be lost in the woods or anything. And so he has yeah. a dream of being a woodcutter, which I thought was kind of cute. It didn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie, but how I don't I don't see how they could, you know kind of use him as a foil there. I also didn't like this sort of, okay, the witch is super powerful in this using uh, a powerful female, would say, in this uh, society that wouldn't have a powerful female, but at the same time, she's evil. Right. You, you got to pick one or the other if you're going to do that. She should you be... spend the whole movie telling me Oh, you know, women can do that, and I don't want to get into it too hard because. Well, she should be either. Too many people who get into this for the wrong reasons. The criticism here, but it came across very, very uh, undercooked. I don't, I don't know. Phrase. <laughs> Good I'm choice of for. words for one for a movie like this. Undercooked. Um, uh, I- I was, I was going to say, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Hansel is uh, much more cunning in the stories um, because uh, he's kept in a cage and she's fattening him up and he's going to be the first one that she eats. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what he does, because in a story, he's blind. And uh, so to test how fat he is, she uh, she feels him. But there's the remains of previous victims in the cage. And so he will just like poke out a skeleton a finger, finger or something, and she'll feel that. Yeah, then, and I kind of missed yeah, that. Oh, he's, he's got a way to go. Yeah, you know, right. The, the whole I really liked Hansel and Gretel as a child. I thought this was a great story. Um, partly because they both Hansel and Gretel were so uh, clever. Yeah. You know, even though it backfired them on them on occasion, which is why you know you have the bit where they leave the breadcrumbs trail and the birds eat the breadcrumbs and they can't find their way home it's to show like oh well maybe they're not so sharp maybe they won't you know think their way out of something but then they do um i also felt in the story they were very uh more or less equal um and this i mean i don't care if they are or not in this but i i felt like the tone was weird or the theme was weird uh like they wanted a feminist message uh but they didn't want to go to the trouble to really really think about all that and then on top of that you know you have the witch is evil but she's a powerful woman what am i supposed to go for there i guess gretel was supposed to be good at the end but she just shoves her little brother out in the cold fuck her Well, I didn't get it. I didn't see her as good as what I'm saying. Well, is, is she and her fingers black and too? Is she just evil too? Is femininity evil? Is that what you're telling this me? This was all written by men. Is female power evil? <laughs> men wrote this. They don't know. They're just they're just taking uh, just swings and you know they're just punching in the dark. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, I have to ask though be, before really addressing that is. Uh, should the witch either be misunderstood 
or evil? Or could she be some of column A and some of column B? Can she be mostly evil, but kind of misunderstood or kind of evil, but most children? Well, you know, different cultures will come on. No, she eats children. <laughs> I don't want to sound right wingy because it, it sounds right wingy saying there's a line in the sand there, but come on, eating children? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> that, that does sound a lot like a recent conspiracy theory. Yeah, that, that's why it's, yeah. In the uh, in the stories, she's um, you have like two evil women. You have the mother, uh, who in later versions is also a stepmother, um, and you have the witch in the forest. And they seem to be very uh, they seem to be twinned in some way because they both die um, in the course of the children um, growing up a bit and learning to take care of themselves a bit more and uh, not just being little needy creatures that want to eat all the time um you know so they're they're abandoned and uh they have to have to deal with this adult world uh and so in the course of them growing up a bit the uh uh the, they kill the witch and then when they go back home with the treasure uh they find that their mother has died as well so, so, you have, so you have both the adult women in, in the stories are uh, pretty much evil. You can see where they're coming from because they're they're like killing to eat or abandoning their children in order to to survive the famine. So, um, but uh, they you know they're they're not not good people. So, what was the focus of the brothers Grimm? Uh, were they truly trying to tell um, tales of morality and uh, survival? Were they do you have any any read on what their focus was? Because I honestly don't. I, I take. All... I think their focus was more story preservation. Okay. Um, uh, that these stories contain little morality tales was part of the reason they had lasted, and uh, and why they collected them. But I think that was a secondary. Uh, concern. I think they were mostly uh, story preservationists. Uh, you know. Yeah, they were. I, I may be wrong. I've not read a whole lot on the Brothers Grimm. I just know in mid eighteen hundreds was kind yeah, of. Yeah, I always think that they they lived so so long ago, but you know that book was published in like eighteen twenty or something. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, is, this. Uh... Hansel and Gretel was first published in 1812. Okay, yeah. So we've had several takes on this, whether whether it's been a lighthearted version that's been animated or other versions of it that were live action uh, versions of it. This one is definitely a different take on it. And I have to say, I found that, in itself refreshing. I did find it weird that the, that the little brother was a dependent and a uh, nuisance. I found that a little weird because they were closer to equals in the original fairy tale as I remember it. But uh, to give it, 
to give it a different take also means you don't exactly know for sure what's around the next corner. And I found that kind of nice, like, oh, are they going to throw me a total curveball here? I mean, we got it. We got a mushroom trip before we even found the witch. That's different. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and also, by the way, Will, I want, I want to say the short hair. I was looking at the screen going, why do I know that? Oh, Rosemary's baby. She looks like Rosemary from Rosemary's baby. With the short I hair. kept thinking it was Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, but no, it's the girl from It. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that, yeah, they wanted to do a different take on Hansel and Gretel. Obviously, they changed the title. But at the same time, I felt like the story didn't take any different turns. We wound up in the same place. We we wound up going the same exact thing with just different people in the car. Yeah. You could say that. I mean, the boy ends up back home. The girl ends up becoming the witch. So that's different. And but that bit, that bit felt like a great lift from the witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could say that. And really, that was just like, I, I was not digging the movie almost the whole way through. Um, I, and not to say there aren't good elements. There really are. Um, the cinematography, again, is incredible. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason I'm so angry at this movie is that it could have been so much better. And it just... They got all of it together, and then they just kind of they picked the just first script they came across. They didn't really think about it. They didn't really. What if you put turn it to work at the end? What if you turn the volume like, off and put on Dead Can Dance or something? Yeah, I thought of that. I was like, I could watch <laughs> this at Halloween with with different music, you know. If this was a, oh, I'm going to say it. If this was a five minute long Rob Zombie video. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'd be all right with that. (laughs) All right. Um, Uh, I'm glad one of us is is really kind of uh, throwing punches because, (laughs) I mean, I've got no issues with the movie other than, again, the, the little brother could have been closer in age and not have been a brat. And I do like, oh, I, I do like the twist ending of the girl becoming the witch, you know, uh, Gretel becoming oh, the witch. No. I'm okay with it. I, no, I'm a, and the way she killed the witch was so <sighs> Jedi like, well, I can't believe it seem, that it didn't seem in line with the, the witchiness. Like the rest of the witchiness scene, I, I mean, they set it up. It didn't just happen on left field. I, I realized they set it up. But a lot of the magic seemed to be, we'll say, potions and herbs and whatnot. Uh, but then they have this flying broomstick for what reason? What did she, why did the broomstick fly? She never flew on it. It just seemed like, oh, we're setting it up so it's a way to kill the witch. It, just like the ladder at the end. Why put the big ladder with the cage up there? Just so you could have it slow down and have her race against the clock. 
I also felt that the uh, the the stapling or the she nailed her her sleeves to the table felt very much like a a get out riff. Okay. Um, there were several times in this movie where I felt like they watched something popular in the last five to ten years and said, let's do that. There was a scene in the woods when there's a big red light behind the little pink girl. Yeah. And this electronic cord goes, and it was like, oh, we saw Mandy, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. You know? <laughs> um, and so... But there was a decapitation, so I'm torn. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Which his head fell off at the end, at least. Yeah, there was that. Uh, we got the young version of the witch uh, turning a pile of guts into delicious food. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah, there, there were parts that were really good in this. It wasn't total crap. It wasn't, and I think that's, the, again, that's why... You know, I'm frustrated with it because I think they they worked really hard and then they just kind of quit before the finish line or they they built it on a shaky foundation. I think the story and again, story is the cheapest thing you can do. Get that story really tuned. What are you saying with this story? What are you trying to tell me? Why are you changing it? You know, why is Gretel a little bit older than Hansel? Uh, I, I, I feel like they didn't have any answers for this. It was just something to do. And uh, it made for a less effective movie and ultimately a really disappointing movie because it looked gorgeous. And it sounded good, too. Uh, although I will say some of the dialogue was the most mush-mouthed stuff, especially the witch, I had a hard time making out what she was saying on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, there was some of that. Um, now... That's a, that's a, that's a nitpick. That, that I'm, I won't I'm gonna nitpick criticism. I'm going to nitpick the uh, 25-foot-high walls in the basement. I, I'm not believing the, the depth of the basement. And see, things like that don't bother me. <laughs> the logistics of it in the 1800s. The logistics uh, of it, the, the, the dreaminess, the, the sort of modern-looking house. Those things were interesting, but just didn't come together in the end. The house looked like Roger Dean designed the windows and the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julian, any- I noticed uh, watching it. This, I, I noticed watching it this time around that uh, when some place is evil, there's uh, symmetry. Like um, the witch's house is a triangle. Uh, uh, you know, the original witch is sitting in the triangle, uh, and when she goes to the uh, the landowner, yep, um, the woodpile. Uh, yeah. The, you got the opposing wood poles, which are symmetrical, and yeah. you know she goes through the symmetrical gate to his house. Um, yeah, I thought that was a good bit of a uh, visual design. Yeah, yeah, the visual design was great. In it. I like the set design. I like a lot of a lot of parts of this. 
So when you're telling a fairy tale, does it matter if you get dialect and uh, and and the actual grammatical uh, stuff accurate? No, I, I mean, I mean, there's there's levels though. Sure. Yeah. And I don't feel like a lot of times the the dialogue uh, had any even base level. It was. It was incongruous, just uh, and it and sometimes it sounded very modern. Sometimes it sounded of the time. I also found that the fact that uh, everybody had a different accent, and that's that's another nitpicky thing that I don't really want to criticize because that's just what is that? That's stupid, to, you know. But the accents they did sort of stick out. And I think when you're trying to immerse people in a fairy tale world, you need those little details. Um, and and you can get away with stuff, but it's got to be sort of uniform. Everybody has an American accent. We take it, you know. Or, uh, you know, even just Hansel and Gretel have American accents. Okay, that's fine. But the fact they were supposed to be brother and sister... And he had sort of a kind of affected British accent. I didn't really buy it at times. And she kind of went in and out a bit, but not really. Uh, it just, again, it strikes me as lazy. It's like, why do you go to all that trouble and then you fucking let the zipper show in the back of the costume? You know, <laughs> you let the boom mic into frame. You just, you know. Don't don't stop it before it's over. So, did your wife watch this with you? I have to ask. No, she didn't watch this one. Oh man, I was, unfortunately, I was hoping to hear whether she liked it or not. Jolien, did uh, you and Emily watch this together? Uh, no, but she's been watching it while we do this podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, well, next week, I'm curious to hear uh, her take on. Uh, you know, whether there's a lot to say about the, the feminist um, leanings of the movie or uh, the accuracy of any part of it, uh, you know, whether she's got any hot takes on this after, <laughs> after we've, uh, after we've been mostly favorable, but uh, you know, Will's, Will's delivered, uh, let's just say um, shots fired over the bow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know it's wor- This is the best thing that happens on our show. I think is that is that uh, that we have different points of views, uh, points of view on these movies. Because I think you, I think you pick these movies knowing, <laughs> knowing that I'm going to have a problem with them. Whenever I try and, to, uh, it never works out that way. <laughs> you know, like last week. Last week we watched. Uh, extra yeah. uh, and I did not defend it very hard I, and I felt like I should have but I, I I didn't and you really hated it and and then you know this week you know what I'm saying is that a, a movie I enjoyed I, I don't stand up for very well but a movie I hate ooh, it's really gonna get it uh, I take movies a little too seriously maybe a little too hard on them, perhaps. But that's good. Um, 
That's good. But I think it's it's so much effort and money and time go into it. And it's not just like one person doing it. You do a bad painting, that's one thing. But you make a bad movie, ooh, you've wasted a lot of people's time. And then you put it out to waste my time. Ugh. You know, again, this this is a... Uh, it's good to have this sort of, I won't call it debate, but some disagreement is good. Because- well, I'm, I'm glad you think so, you know. Uh, you know, I... We have listeners all over the world, and they and they they deserve to hear different people have different takes on movies. And uh, one thing, oh, go ahead. Uh, the fact that I enjoy a movie, that I like a movie, or that I think it's beautiful, doesn't mean I necessarily think it's all good. So it's good to hear why someone else thinks it's not good. I was going to say uh, when I encounter these these movies that we watch that I don't like. I often go out to see what other people's responses were. Uh, what did what do other viewers think of this movie? And without a doubt, when you find a, a movie that, uh, or at least recently, when I've done this, uh, Oculus was another one. Um, there's been others. Um, there's a group of people who don't like the movie, but for the dumbest reasons. <laughs> And you kind of question yourself. You're like, am I just being stupid? Because people would write, uh, not like the original. But I don't know what they mean by the original. Do they mean the original story? Some people would put the original film. And I don't know which film they're referencing. They'd act like this was a sequel. Or maybe a remake. Yeah. Uh, It's not quite what it is. You know, and then they say things like "worst movie I've ever seen," which is this is the worst movie you've ever seen. You're getting off so easy. <laughs> right. I wish this was the worst movie I'd ever seen. Uh, so, if we were to trust Rotten Tomatoes, it ends up with an approval rating of sixty-five percent, based on a hundred and two views or reviews. I'm sorry based on 102 reviews with an average rating of 6.4 out of 10. So everyone seems to agree. The visuals are dazzling, but not everyone can yeah. get on board with uh, one of the, one of the critics uh, again, if we were to talk about variety magazine or it's probably not even a magazine anymore. It's probably a website, but uh, yeah, it's still a magazine. Andrew Barker of Variety said the film certainly looks nice with a wealth of eye-catching compositions, but added the problem is that many of its virtues feel compromised, which I think is some of what we were saying. That's a, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And uh, Kimber Myers from Los Angeles Times said, while Perkins, Oz Perkins, offers a stunning feast for the eyes, the substance is likely to leave viewers still hungry. I like that she worked in hunger and, and feast. I like somebody did a review that was like, uh, this is a, a beautiful candy coating over rotten poison. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with... Uh, <laughs> with there being flaws, but, 
Is it oh, the- certainly. And I and then they're rarely movies that aren't flawed. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and it just depends how far you're willing to go to overlook flaws in movies. Right. Um, and this just it didn't clear the hurdle for me. Okay. And I think because certain parts of it again, certain parts of it were so good that because it didn't clear the hurdle, I left disappointed. Okay. Um, if it was just a bad movie, if it was just dull, and uh, although I did find it dragged for its 87 minutes, I felt like I'd watched it for about two and a half hours. Oh, wow. I didn't get that at all. Um, Jolien, did it move in a lively enough pace for you? Did you have any pacing issues with this thing? Uh, no, I think each scene uh, it is edited very uh uh, nicely uh, comes in at the right moment, leaves at the right moment, doesn't hang around when nothing's going on to advance the story. Right. Um, I, I think it moves along very well. Yeah, there, there could it's, it's not a fast, uh, fast action or, or anything, but uh, it didn't drag for me. Yeah, there could have been some dragging moments in the house or in the woods or whatever, but uh, they did seem to get to whatever the whatever the moment was and then move on. I thought I found the middle. I found that the middle just kind of spun its wheels. Like I thought if this was a short film, much like Oculus or Babadook were, you know, originally short films, this was a short film. Um, I think it would have, uh, it would have been a lot stronger. Um, I found that once they, once they got to the witch's house, the movie, Kind of just uh, took time, and then the ending seemed like, "Oh shit, we gotta we gotta wrap this up." It ended, um, <laughs> and then they tacked on the little bit with the girl turning into the witch at the end after they watched the witch. Uh, I also think I, I'm not really, but I do honestly think they tacked on her voiceover after the fact. Oh yeah. That can always happen it after test audiences. Fit. It did not fit. It did not add anything that I thought you couldn't get from the visuals. It reassured, it reassured the audience that she wasn't going to be evil. That's all it was trying to do. And that was probably yeah. a test audience thing. You never, well, I shouldn't say probably, but see can, what, you know, I had that same question. Is she evil? Yeah. She got black fingers. She must be evil, right? She got black fingers, you know, that's, <laughs> a sign of death, right? Like the opposite of a green thumb. Maybe. Um, frostbite. Yeah. Frostbite, yeah, yeah. Frostbite will do that. Uh, with, uh, without much more for me to say about it, I got to ask you guys if, if there's anything else before we get to the recommending or not, uh, Jolien, anything else you want to say about this one before we bring it on home? Uh, no, I, I I like it less now though. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now that Will's ruined it. No, that's all right. No. That's, all, that's right. all right. Oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> no, 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 you made good arguments. Oh man. Well, at least I made good arguments. Yeah. I felt like I was being really harsh on the movie and perhaps a little nitpicky in ways that I didn't want to be. Uh, I find that happens with movies. If you don't like them, if they don't 
yeah, work, definitely. You, you end up looking for more problems and right. more problems appear. Uh, sometimes yeah, I, I do the same. I, I, I look, I look for reflections of the crew in windows and, and car doors and things right. like that. Well, like the spiral yeah. to pass the time. <laughs> yeah, the, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. The spiral is a good when example I, of uh, something that wasn't working, but had good intentions, but didn't fulfill them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Joey, yeah, but your point, especially about, uh, especially about Hansel being too weak. Um, uh, it would have been stronger if he'd been more like more her equal, like in the stories, because he's just or, as cunning as she is in the yeah. stories. And it would, make, it, would, it would make her, her victories more impressive and uh, significant if he was a stronger character. Yeah. Or but, if they wanted to go with the with the uh, sort of oh he's he's an idiot, I think if they aged him up, we could have gotten away with it going that way. Yeah. But because he's a child, of course he's an idiot. He's yeah, yeah. a child. Yeah. But if you're if you're twelve <laughs> or fourteen and you're an idiot and your sister's fifteen or sixteen and and you're dragging her down because you're an idiot, but you're only two years younger than her then that's on you and you deserve to get, you know, baked into a pie or whatever the hell's going to happen to you <laughs> or grabbed yeah, by a tree. Know. I was waiting for a tree to grab him and smack him around. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I did like the tree chopping scene, even though again, it didn't fit the, it didn't fit the movie. I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, if he had been, you know, closer to her age, and then you show him doing a few reckless things at the beginning that are like, that doesn't seem smart. Yeah, if he could have, um, uh, like, attracted a bear or uh, eaten some poison yeah, berries. Yeah, steal something from somebody and they get in trouble. You know, something you're like, well, this kid's a, uh, an idiot. But just because he's, like, eight, of course he's going to be an idiot. Yeah. So, so could we yeah. just retitle this one Gretel and the Little Idiot? Gretel and the Little Idiot. I like it. <laughs> um, Jolien, would you recommend this one? Even after uh, everything yeah. Will said. <laughs> uh, well, uh, with with movies, if it if a movie looks great, I forgive so much. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm probably not even thinking about it too much. If, if I'm enjoying how it looks, uh, yeah, I, I I can I can enjoy watching it. Yeah. And and uh, so uh, yeah, on on that on that level, and and you've got uh, Alice Krieg as a witch. Yeah, great. She looked good. Uh, I love yeah. Um, there's so much that looks good in this. I love her uh, book of herbal herbalism. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That uh, di- diagonal writing in between the illustrations. It's great. Yeah, yeah. All the great all the art department, all the prop makers are just right on the money with everything they did. They really yeah. did, but yeah. Um, I would also recommend this. Of the wheel. <laughs> I would also recommend this. Uh, Will, uh, would you only recommend this with the uh, turn the volume off, put dead can dance on, or? <laughs> no, I'd say watch the witch again. <laughs> okay. And really, really be thankful that that they went all the way. Yeah. The movie out there would go all the way and make you know a really arty horror film yeah fair enough well that's uh that's a really good uh that's a really good way of looking at it because uh 
uh, I should say that's it's a really good thing for us to be able to to have basically two, four, and one sort of against because again, when you look at the critical response on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sixty five percent positive, which isn't great, but two out of three of us is sixty six ish percent. So yeah, we're kind of right pretty, on. Pretty close. And it it came so close again, so close. Yeah, so um, so close, but to miss for you. Know, you it just it didn't do it in the end. It's just, and it's really frustrating. That's understandable. Uh, it it worked for me, but uh, I understand why it wouldn't for you or someone else. Yeah, and I and I can see the same thing. Like I could see, okay, it worked for me. I was able to. There's movies out there where I'm able to enjoy the visuals enough that I can overlook things. But I think because I felt that this was so close to a copy of The Witch uh, and then and then had these little details that weren't quite right, uh, it, just, it was too much. Fair enough. Okay. Anything else before we get out of here? No, but this long episode... A little longer, yeah. It's it's going to be about an hour, hour and 20, uh, 25-ish. You could cut out my whole comic book <laughs> diversion there. <laughs> Never. Drop that as a mini-episode. No. Yeah, yeah if, we cut, if we cut it out and post it separately, then yes. But otherwise, no, man, that's the, that's the good stuff. <laughs> Will bitches about 30-year-old comic books. Yeah, and and just wait till you see what he does to this new movie. <laughs> All right, guys, shall we call it a show? Call it a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I don't uh, some more. I don't have one. I wish I could have understood what the witch said in this movie. I would have used one of those lines. Yeah. Don't eat. <laughs> Don't eat the house.